I am unashamed. What about you? So I'm uh, I'm looking on the internet, Jason. I see. Uh, I was looking for something, and that I, maybe I was looking for something I had done. And so I, I put my own name in. I don't know if you've ever done a self Google search. You know, I don't think I have. Well, I, I pulled. So I put it in there. I was looking. For I something, sure have <laughs> something in particular. And so I saw. I looked down, and there's a line of things with my name or Alan Robertson. You know, it's not, there are more people than just me named that. But I saw a false teacher, Al Robertson. I saw that. I was like, whoa. You're go. thinking there's another Yeah, Al so there's got to be another. It's not me. I'm not a false teacher. So I'll go click on it. And it was some guy I'd spoken. This was old. It was like been posted three years ago. When I spoke at the um, Southwest Baptist Theological Seminary, which is in Fort Worth. And I was in, invited. Lisa and I were invited to do a marriage thing. But then they asked me to speak at chapel You know, while I was there because their chapel meets every day. So I was like, yeah, that's awesome. That'd be great. So I did a thing. My chapel lesson was the top 10 things I wish I had known when I was in seminary. Oh, because you were talking to the students. I was talking to the students. Uh-huh. So I kind of went back and like, so I kind of gave, you know, you think all these things when you're in preaching school and then all of a sudden you get uh-huh. out and you realize most of that's not even applies. So that was my approach. And I thought it was pretty good. But anyway, this guy who apparently wasn't happy that I was invited, but he was more taking shots at the president of the university who had invited me. And he's like, he labeled me as a false teacher in the ass. The typical internet, at the top of it, it's false teacher. Hours, which but he is, hadn't even heard you speak. No, I hadn't even spoken yet. <laughs> he did this before <laughs> I spoke. So then when I go down and I look in the text of why I was a false teacher, according to this person who's never heard me speak, it said that I that I believe I came out of the Church of Christ background, and which automatically that makes him, I guess, a false teacher. But then it said, and you know, they believe. It wasn't then? It wasn't me. It was like, and here's what they believe. And then he talked about water regeneration, which that somehow we believe. And I've heard this before, and maybe someone did in the Church of Christ. I don't know, but I never have because well, that, that the the water itself had some sort of magical quality in it. Yeah that provided salvation, which we don't believe at all. And so I thought it was interesting because we're going to be talking about John 3 today and we're talking about baptism, but I was labeled a false teacher for something I don't even believe and I've never taught in my whole life. I think the biggest problem... Welcome to the internet. The biggest problem with that that I see is that people put way too much stock on what a sign says or... True. You know, our background was that, but probably most churches you know, of Christ. I mean, there's different ones. They have big C's and small C's and, you know, you, you go into one and that doesn't necessarily mean they're all the same. Same with Baptists. I mean, I think there's what, 101 different ways to be a Baptist. I'm sure. So, and, you, and you'll have individuals that'll teach crazy stuff. Like we were in a little small church that, that mom and dad helped start. And the guy that was the preacher there, I mean, he started teaching that you don't have the Holy spirit. And, of course, you know, Dad was a fairly new Christian. I mean, you'd been around a little while, but you were like, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So Granny and Paul at that time were alive, and they attended this church too, you remember? And they started doing just a deep dive on the Holy Spirit. And we were like, "Was well, of course you have the Holy Spirit. You, you don't personally have the Holy well, Spirit. Remember, was that that guy that had taken uh, – he took a pen 
and everywhere it said spirit, he crossed it out yeah, in his Bible. Drew, drew a line in it and, and put word. And put word. Mm-hmm. Now look. So what look, I'm saying look, is that's look. a crazy teaching, but that came out of people in our yeah. heritage, but we never believed that or taught that. Or, and we and we wound up yeah. leaving over it because you know, we were like, you know, we can't stop. There's it. a lot of things about organized religion that's that's not good, and that's one of them, about lumping people into that's right. Certain denominations, you know, I've always said I'm non-denominational. You know, I, I I love Jesus, and any group that exalts Jesus as Lord, oh, I'm with them, and we'll we'll work out the rest of it later. I'm really not too worried about it. Yeah, you know, you know I've said before one of the reasons why Lisa and I love the pro-life movement so much because we do, that's where we do most of our speaking. So I go into a, a fundraiser for a pregnancy center. We're the main speakers. Nobody asks us what group we're with or whatever, which is great because I, I don't want to be associated with anything. But you go in there, and here come the Knights of Columbus, you know, with the for life, the Catholic organization, and they're they're bringing in the color guard, and we do the Pledge of Allegiance, and someone sings the national anthem, and then the Baptist pastor from that community usually gets up and does the opening prayer, and then the Methodist guy does the closing prayer, and some this other guy, and I just look at that, and I think, you know. We got a lot in common here to try to save babies. That's way better to me than the old days of just everybody on every corner is fighting the whole time. That's what's happened to our culture. Of course, mm. we missed you know, we missed the big picture that we were falling apart and like, arguing over theology. I don't like putting people into boxes and labeling. I just don't like it. Right? I you know, I, I what we're what's weird about us, and we all know this that you know God did through our show. Is it kind of brought all different religions together because it was finally something on TV that was you could watch with your whole family and that we prayed to God and so everybody kind of claimed us. Which what's weird is I go to, I think I've been to every conceivable branch of denominational religion that, that's offered. I have never had one negative word. Now, I haven't done a Google search of myself, so. <laughs> Yeah, but to my you knowledge, may, you may find there's some negative. I know there's but, a negative on Phil. But it's even like, you know, when people think, well, what was your heritage? You know, I, I didn't I didn't find Jesus in, in the church building. So I've never really been attached to any kind of religious group as far as, oh, this is my denomination. I mean, y'all know me. I go to a couple different churches that are different. You know, I, I do it. I mean. Because I just, I think it helps me keep it in perspective that we're not policemen. We don't have everything figured out in the details. We got Jesus. And we're not their judge. Nope. No, we're, I'm never going to make any kind of judgmental. The man says he's a brother. I'm like, I embrace him as a brother. You know, the part that I think people miss is that, you know, a lot of churches they make judgments on the what they call salvational issues and they'll put them in quotes and but in if you actually read the bible the only time he ever talks about christians being judgmental in a positive way is in i believe it's first corinthians 5 yep and it's all about lifestyle yeah, had immorality going on. Yeah, and, and now he, I do think Apostle Paul said you need to judge the ones inside. Well, right, and but it was about. I mean, if they're claiming matters. if someone told me they're a brother, and and I'm hearing filth come out of his mouth, and he's and he's he's living around, well, he's yeah. whoring around, and all that, you'd say, well, so let me show you something Apparently here. He I, something. I would start showing him some verses 
that would prove who he is. I've done it a many a time. You know, so, I've, and I've converted told, a lot of people. I've told y'all when I went to uh, prison for two years, y'all didn't know much. But even then, I don't judge him out. Well, hang on. Let me finish that before we send <laughs> yeah, my. Yeah, I hadn't uh, heard about let, your prison stay. Yeah, you didn't know I was in prison for two I did years. Not know well, that. I went voluntarily because they said they wanted somebody to lead a devotional. And, uh, of course, it wasn't a good prison either, you know. And so I said, I'll do it. I was young. Are there any good prisons? (laughs) (laughs) What what would characterize a good prison? It wasn't a good prison. I'm like, well, here's what I mean. I was there. I you was, were waiting for a good prison. <laughs> well, here's what I mean by that. Only Get good. to your point, Jay. I was there for five minutes, and one of the prisoners, like, said, you know, I'll basically what he said with a bunch of four letter words is, I'll gut you like a something. You know, I was like, <laughs> you talking to me? <laughs> what I'm saying is, it was a vile place. And, uh, but what I noticed is, is every time I got into their life, their first response, because they've been doing this their whole life. I mean, they're locked up in prison. Is they're like, we, well, you, you know, you're judging me. I'm like, you've already been judged, and they locked you up. <laughs> you're in prison. Yeah, you're in prison, and now you're in denial because I'm trying to get you out of that. I'm trying to, you know, through Jesus, free you despite you being locked up. But I just noticed that was their always their go to. Every one of them. Hmm. Well, you can't judge me. I'm like, sure, I can. And I'd read that First Corinthians five. You're claiming. You know, to be a child of God in your life, your life, as far as when it comes to Whatever making got decisions, you here yeah, was a- has been an utter <sighs> disaster. So we need, let's talk about that, you know? Yeah, I'm making a judgment. Uh, you, you're making terrible decisions in the name of Jesus. And then when somebody confronts you about your life, you're like, oh, don't, well, you can't judge me, you know? And I'm like, nope, I'm making a judgment. You're in denial and you're lying. Because, I mean, you had to be kind of tough with them, you know? And, uh, but like I say, the tougher you got, they always would get, you know, I'll kill you. But I would say, well, kill me. Fine. I'm going to heaven. I, you know, I got God's spirit. I'm not going to be threatened by your, you know, your, your bullying. Cause that's what they've done their whole life. But anyway, basically when I was in a, a I went, I've been to prisons back and forth, just not down in Angola. Uh, they said 75, 80%. <clears throat> will spend the rest of their life yeah, it's and our, never go back down the road they drove in on. He said, they'll never, they'll can never right. come back through that main gate because you're mm-hmm. driving along down there out in the middle of nowhere and you just run up on a, I mean, a barricade across the road yeah. and you are now entering the prison grounds. And I told those guys, I got up, my line to them was, guys, end of the line. End of the line. You you actually read Galatians. Is it Galatians three? You, I was there the night. So Dad starts out and he says, "The whole world is a prisoner of sin." And you looked up because we had about seven or eight hundred people in the room with yep, us, and then prisoners. they were and then they were sending it out to the whole prison, death row, everybody, all the way out. And so Dad was Dad looks up, you know, as he's read that verse, he said, "Can you boys relate to that?" The whole world's a prisoner of sin. That's how you launched into your. And I, what I told him was yeah. my my first statement after that. I just said, "Listen, you're not going back down that road you came in on. You're in here for life because of something, whether it was rape, robbery, whatever, murder. Here we all are." I said, "Just remember, before I give my little speech here, you can be under lock and key 
which you are. Yeah. I said, but you can still be free. Yeah, even in your situation, you can mm. still be set free, even where you are. I said, so there is hope, and I'm fixing to give you the hope. So I preached the gospel to him. The warden told me later, and the response, and uh, because of the Bible texts that are many, when I got to the response to the gospel, which we'll get to in John 3, you're saved by your faith. Mm-hmm. There has to be a point in time. Here's a guy who's locked up in prison. He's he's there for murder. He's been told he can still be set free. if he, He'll figure out what the truth is, and the truth will set him free, even here. I said, then you can talk to people who come down here where you are. You deserve to be locked up for what you did. Well, you're never getting out. I said, but you can be free in Jesus the rest of your days here. And I said, your body can be raised from that graveyard out there where you're going. they got a big graveyard there for the ones who have died through the years. I said, you can still be set free, even from the grave itself. So I preached the gospel to them and the response to it, faith, make Jesus your Lord in the middle of all this, this, this terrible situation you're in under lock and key. And I said, die to sin, be buried and be raised from the dead. And I gave him Romans 6, which is water baptism. I gave him that. Someone said, well, why would you tell him about that? You believe, you know, you, you should do that. I said, yeah. Well, when they call the warden, the back, some of the guys back in death row, they called the warden and they said, is there any way? The warden told me this later. He said, Phil, they called me and they said, is there any way? Can you all release me from my cell here? Put me in chains or whatever and take me down there to the lake, which was on the grounds of Angola, and baptize me. And the warden said, we certainly can. So they would bring them out of the prison, out of death row, They'd get in some kind of wheeler, and ride down there to the lake. And he said, I'd allow them to be baptized. And he said, they would look toward the sky and said, even though I'm here, I've been set free. Yeah. The warden said, it made a monumental change in the way they operated. So they wouldn't let me when I was there. They wouldn't, I wasn't at it. They didn't allow at, me to do Gola. it. Yeah. But they did it, which is fine with me. Well, me either. They, they wouldn't allow water to come in there. But some of them who would get set free, literally, they, uh, you know, unfortunately, I would give them my number and I'd tell them I'd meet them if they wanted to be baptized because they, they, it was their idea. You know, they're like, want to be baptized. But not one of them ever, once they got out, they never met me. Yep. You, you know what I mean? Yep. They, which, you know, you don't want to call in to, to question their motives, but it just, that's how difficult By the way, it someone said, so why would you tell them to do that, to put their faith in Jesus and repent and confess Jesus as Lord and be baptized in water? Because when Jesus was raised from the dead and they were still some of them doubting, he said, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go make disciples of all nations and you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you and I'll be with you to the end of the age. Well, that was Jesus talking. Go make disciples and baptize them. Well, when I go to Angola or anywhere else, I said, well, in order for you to be a disciple, if you, if you have your faith in Jesus, that's what's going to save you, your faith. Here's what you do about it, your response. Well, you take that and just start down there. They they came to Jesus and said, well, well, who gave you the authority to fry that fig tree, to, to kill it? Just sitting there. He just fried the tree. 
And he said, who gave me the authority to fry the fig tree? He said, let me ask you something. John's baptism, was it from heaven or men? Well, that's the, that's the age-old question that we're discussing in John 3. Mm-hmm. Water baptism, <clears throat> Jesus asked him. You're wondering about how I performed that miracle. And instead of believing the miracle, which you should have, if, if it looks like I, somebody sprayed it with Roundup and it died overnight because I cursed it, instead of you saying, whoa, I mean, well, we, we need to believe in him. Look what he just did. Right. No, that didn't do it for him. So he went to something real unusual. He said, John's baptism, was it from heaven or men? And they all huddled up and they said, well, we can't say it's from heaven because he's going to say, why didn't you let him baptize you? Right. If it's from heaven. And they said, if we, if we, they got there in a little huddle, if we say it's from men, all the people are going to turn on us because they think John's a prophet and he's from God and he's doing all these baptizing. And, and they say what you will in the Jordan River. You say there were people and he's saying, you brood of snakes, who, who told you to flee from the coming wrath? But he's steadily baptized. Was, if I had never Matthew read tw- that. That was Matthew 21. Yeah, if I had never was. read, starting there, never heard about baptism at all in water. None. All of a sudden, you see this guy coming, and you're like, who in the world is that? John the Baptist. But we got a disconnect in our society because, look, that's our number I mean, one. Why wouldn't you just do it? Because people don't understand it, obviously. Uh, we, we have, that's our number one question. I think a lot of questions was, about it. Yeah, about <laughs> baptism. So I guess what I've realized through doing this podcast, there's a lot of different teachings about baptism. Because we're getting a lot of different questions. Are you saying this? Are you, which I think part of the problem are we have bad questions. I, 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 and, and here's what I mean by that. If I gave you a redneck illustration, which I'll just make it up on the fly. So here we go. But let's say someone comes to you and they say, I'm going to give you a billion dollars. And not only that, I'm going to take you there. I'm, I'm going to come with you and take you to the billion dollars. So I'll meet you in a submarine and we'll go get it. I'll take you there. Well, there. if I'm standing there, I'm like, well, why a submarine? I mean, that, that would usually wouldn't be the response but but it seems like that's kind of what we have when it comes to baptism. I mean, it's bigger than how we're getting there. Would you agree? I mean, if I'm trying to equate a billion dollars with salvation, yeah. which may be a bad analogy, but I'm just saying Jesus saves you. He dies on a cross. He's resurrected. He says, I'll give you everything. Everything I have is yours, which is everything. You can live forever. You get forgiveness. I've saved you. You could be raised from you the dead. You could be raised from the dead. Well, that's the billion dollars is my point. Yep. I mean, it, here it is. And not only that, I'll give you the Holy Spirit to make sure you get there. You Jesus know, called what you're describing <clears throat> the gift of God. Remember when he had the, when we get there in, in John 4, the Samaritan woman, he said, because she asked him about water, and he said, if you knew the gift of God and who was asking you for a drink, you would ask me for living water mm-hmm. that would lead you to eternal life. Plus, so that's what you're talking about. Well, my point is, the question <laughs> is, look, they say, well, do I have to? 
That's a bad question. That, that's my point. Is this required? That's another bad question. I, I don't think those questions should be asked. It should be, what should I do? Well, what to get well, a great well, gift? Well, well you well, said, well, I mean, I mean, what, what I'm saying is you share Jesus and you say, here's like what you just quoted. Cause you, cause Phil's mind works like what he said, go make disciples, baptize them. I don't, what's your problem? Yeah. Well, because they're saying, well, do I have to? It's according to Jesus. That's what he said. <laughs> Well, see, you answer the question. I don't answer that question. Yep. When, some, when someone says, I just is, do is what this, he says. Is this required? <laughs> I'm like, so what I say is, why are you asking that question? You, well, there's you've a false- got a billion dollar, you know, okay, forget the redneck illustration. You have salvation, eternal life, and you're like, well, do I have to do this one part? What you're getting at is, is, is there's a, there's a, a teaching that came through this very thing and the teaching is since you're saved by grace there is nothing you have to do because you're or saved by do. grace or you're, saved what, you're saved by so the apostle Paul said I'm preaching the gospel that's Jesus coming down in flesh dying on a cross being buried and raised from the dead it's the gospel of God's grace what well, they say is that? well there's Hang nothing on. you can do well first of all the first thing you have to do is put your faith in that. That is you putting your faith in Jesus and who he is and what he did. You have to do that. You do. And you say, well, that's it though, right? I'm like, no, you're going to have to, you are going to have to repent, turn from your wicked ways. But they'll say there's nothing you can do. You say, well, wait a minute. There's nothing you can do. You say, these are things you have to do to (laughs) believe and to repent. You say, well, when my mouth moves, Jesus (laughs) is Lord. There's nothing (laughs) I can do. Well, if there's no confession that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That's something you do. I don't understand this thing about there's nothing you have I to do. I think we found something feels passionate about. It. Hang on, let's take. And that's a, even before you get to <laughs> baptism. Let's, ta- let's take a break and then we'll come back. But the point is, people are not. I don't think that explanation is going to work. They're not. They're not getting that. It works look, for some. It, it, it is plain scriptures. Yeah, but I think if I read Ephesians two, I mean, let's just read it. What you just quoted, it says, because this four, verse four, Ephesians two four, mm-hmm. but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Mm-hmm. It is by grace you have been saved. One hundred percent. I agree with that statement. Okay, of course. No, well. Now, 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 look, now, hang on. Th- me, that's Ephesians what? They knew he's hanging on. No, that's no, Ephesians what? That's two, Ephesians two, six, what? 2-6. Two, 2-6. Six. Two, six. Well, you got four. And Ephesians 4. There's I, I, one I was I was getting body, there. I was going to get spirit, there. One Lord. One baptism. I, I was gonna, Wait a minute. Where'd that come from? Well, because the next verse, 2-6. And God raised us up. Well, I know what that's referring to because I know Romans 6, like the back of my hand. It says we, God raised us up with Christ as we reenact Jesus' death. In baptism. Well, right. 
but but here's my my point is I'm perfectly fine, and I think it's 100% theologically correct to say that God saves you 100%, and there's nothing you can do to save yourself because if Jesus didn't die and wasn't buried and wasn't resurrected, you are incapable of being saved. Correct. I don't care how much faith you got. If that did not happen, if God did not do that, you're out. So that's their point, which I agree with. As do I. Which gets me back to my redneck illustration. It has nothing to do with who's doing the saving, who's doing the carrying to the to the salvation, to the payoff. The problem is we as humans come up with these silly questions of saying God has given you everything. He has supplied everything you need for life and godliness. And so we're like, Well, do I have do I have to respond? You know, there's nothing I can do. You, you see my point? So so they come up with questions that I think are illogical and irrational. Because well, so, so, look, but if you keep on, it says in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's not. That's why I said that is an accurate statement. You are not producing any salvation, none. It is the gift of God. So, so my point is, let's say you use that. You have a gift, Christmas gift. Here it is, salvation provided by someone else, mm-hmm. and someone says, you know, will meet me at wherever the street corner and i'll give you the gift and you're like well no i can't i'm not sure i have you know because there's nothing i I can do do i can't unwrap it i can't look at it i'm just well wait a minute here well then that's why i was gonna get to ephesians 4 you he comes up with all these these statements he's talking about there's one body there's one spirit we all agree you know there's only one holy spirit you are called to one hope. Well, that's what saves you. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. One Lord. We got Jesus. One faith. Well, then he throws in one baptism. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it means something. Or he wouldn't have thrown uh, it in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that's why dad used the phrase, which is the proper phrase, is what is our response to the gift? Well, that's what I'm drawing the distinction. People, but but here's the problem. Dad's right. Somewhere along the line, people decided that to accept Christ is not response. I mean, that's still part of the gift. To commit to him, he's going to be the Lord of my life is not, but then somehow. Your point is that even if you say a prayer. I mean, at some point you accept Jesus, but what happened to this? Well, there's nothing. You know, at some point we have to respond. Well, you know, why I would well, Peter? Why would Peter, when Jesus leaves, say, "Stay right here. You'll receive power when my Spirit comes on you," and that happened. And Peter gets up, and he goes to Jesus, yep. his death, burial, and resurrection. Correct. And then he says, "David died; he's still dead. But this Jesus, he's both Lord and Christ. He's the Messiah. He's Correct. the one." Well, these Jews that were listening to him thought, "Wait a minute here. We're the ones that killed him." And this guy is saying, by us killing him, 
it's going to save us. Well, no wonder they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart because you say they believed it. But watch carefully. They said, well, what do we do? We didn't realize this. We didn't know he was the one. We said crucify. So you're telling us that's going to save us and murdering him? And Peter said, that's right. So what do we do? Well, why are you waiting on an answer? Okay, we 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 are devastated by what you just told saying, us. You mean we, he's alive? How he's do been, we respond? How do we respond? That's what they're asking. What do we do? And he what said, repent and be baptized. Now, look, evidently, when he said, repent and be baptized, I see the water of John 3 in the name of Jesus, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a promise to you, your children, and all those who are far off. Well, we're 2,000 years down the road here. So, but watch this. That didn't end there because he starts warning them. He begins to plead with them. Evidently, they haven't moved yet. When it came down to what do we do? He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the mission of your sins. God will give you the spirit. Well, I'm looking at a lot of things come together with their response by faith in the gospel that they just heard. <clears throat> well, if he's, if he's pleading with them and he's warning them, what's Peter saying? He said, well, then it says, uh, and, and about, here's the exact reading. With many other words, after they were given the answer to what shall we do, he tells them, repent and be baptized. God will give you the spirit. He warned them. He pleaded with them. And he said, why would he put it this way? Because we're saved by grace and there's nothing we can do. Well, why would Peter say, save yourselves from this corrupt generation? They had a choice to move on what he said and respond by faith through being baptized and given the spirit. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. That tells me this thing about there's nothing you can do. Well, there's nothing you can do when it comes to he has before them the response to what they heard. The gospel had saved those who accepted his message. Something else they did. You say they accepted his message. They were baptized. That's interesting. And about three thousand were added to their number that day. Well, if you're going to end the story by saying, what do we do? And you end up with saying 3,000 were added to that number that day. You said, was that before they were baptized or after? It was after they were baptized. I mean, I agree so with I'm, your I'm point. I'm reading these texts. Agree, and I'm I, saying, uh, what is the problem here? Well, the problem is because I agree with what you're saying, except your response to Ephesians 2, 6 is just saying, well, there's another verse that says, save yourself. There's nothing you can do to get your sins removed without the blood of Jesus Would on the cross. Would you agree with that? You must acknowledge right? well, that. Well, of course. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is there's people. The question is I, I, when. I know, but I'm in the middle of this because we, the church that we were brought up in, they run around and tell people they have to be baptized to be saved, but they never told people why. That is correct. Well, that's how that, you grew up. To man. me, that's how I grew to up. me, that's no gospel. To me, that's worse than someone who understands what saves you and who Jesus. They're saying Jesus is the image of the God. 
you know, the invisible God, you put your faith and trust in him. And then they're not real sure on how they respond. If I'm going to err one way or the other, I want to err on the, on the faith and grace. Side I'm going on the, cause it, without Jesus, you're out. Well, of course. So, cause then you're in a roadblock situation where you're just baptizing people right. without Jesus, which happens at gunpoint. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break and come back. So my, my only point was there's a disconnect in what's causing the controversy and understanding that it's the gift from God, not of yourselves. In Acts 2, when they say, what do we do? How do there is a response. There's a claiming of who Jesus is. In some capacity, we all have to agree with that. Whether you believe it, acknowledge it, there's a claiming. There's a let's go get the prize. Right. You know, let's let's move on that. If you just read and looked at it with the big picture in mind, well, read, read the book of Acts. I started in Acts 2. All you have to do, everybody who's saying, well, do I have to be baptized? My, my answer to them is get your Bible and turn to the book of Acts. Read every conversion story in the book of Acts. There's quite a few of them. What was the message that the apostles were preaching? And see if it wasn't. Jesus came down and died on a cross, was buried and raised from the dead. Was that the message? And they say, uh, Phil, we read the book of Acts. That was the message. I said, is that the message you heard from me, Al, and Jace? Was that the message, the gospel message? And they would have to say, that's y'all's message. I said, well, what was the response? What did the apostles tell people to do? The apostle Paul's conversion. You say, well, how did it end up? A guy asked him a question, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away. And somebody has difficulty knowing when their sins are removed. Peter started with Acts 2. What do we do? So I don't understand if anybody with a half a brain could read the book of Acts. (laughs) What was the message and what was the response to the message? Because it's, I mean, be, it's because it seems to be in contrast to each other with Ephesians 2. That's why in my feeble mind, I, I, in my mind, I came up with the answer, which is baptism is the opposite of what the people who say you don't, that baptism is not important. Let's put right. it that way. Because they think it's you doing something. Yeah. Well, when you think about baptism, I think the way Jesus' death conquered Satan, which was an act of surrender, which is the opposite of doing something, I think baptism is the same way. When people say, well, if you say that, you know, they'll say, do I need to be baptized? Do I got to go get on the submarine to claim the prize? Whatever. They think, well, you're see, you're trying to do something. They're they're trying. That's why I said it's a bad question. They're setting a trap from an argumentative standpoint. You're not earning anything, but well, you are obeying a lot. But you're actually surrendering. Yeah, so, you, don't, you actually so, don't do baptism. Baptism is done to you. That's it. Which is my way. point. You're because the last thing you, you would think. Neck, you're a sinful man, and someone has you by the back of the neck. And you have been a fighter, a, 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 a killer, a brawler, a brawler, and all of a sudden, someone else that looks like me has you by the nap of the neck. Which is and irrelevant. I, Who has we, you by the neck? That's right. Nap of and the we're neck. out in a in a swamp water, 
and all of a sudden you are allowing some other individual on planet Earth to push you down in some water. It's and it's January. Would you the call it a cold. surrender? Is that a surrender? I would say it is the ultimate surrender. Look, here's here's what's interesting about this. You're just let, obeying. Let, but let's let's go God. let's go to a war scene on a battlefield. Of all the things that you could come up with on how to win, let's say you're the general, which would be a scary thought. You're in the war. And they said, okay, here is our path to victory. What is the last thing that you would ever think was the path to victory? Surrender. Well, you would never say that is the way to win, which is why I think it is the answer to the arguments that we're having. You actually aren't doing anything to win because you're surrendering to the one who mm-hmm. saved you, which is what I was trying you're to allowing him which, to win. Which is why Ephesians 2 says what it says. It's not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. And then Ephesians 4 says there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism. And while you're there, and Ephesians 5 says. You went Here, to get, get the mic. You read, Hold on, Phil. You, you don't have the four. mic in front of you. Then you read four. <clears throat> then you get to five. Uh, husbands love your wife, and Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. What in the world would it mean other that, than. That's verse 20. Yeah, that's an interesting phrase because he's uh, talking about. It clears it up. It clears it up. (laughs) It's really good. (laughs) Here's what's funny about it. Well, if you put those three together in the book of Ephesians, Jace, you know, what's he been talking about? Surrender. If you want to win a war, I don't know where all that's coming from. I just read the text and say, folks, I cannot get around this. I just brought all churches together (laughs) because the two sides of the argument, which I think are both, you know, have their problems. They come together in that baptism, if it is surrender, as we're proposing. You're responding in a way that Jesus did to save the world, which was he surrendered himself, died on a cross. Then he was buried. They said, you know, the evil one said, we killed him. Then he came back. Well, you're doing the same thing, Romans chapter 6. In baptism, it is not you saving yourself. It's not you uh, earning in, in that regard, it's you simply responding in a surrendered way, just like Faith he did. Carrying out instructions. I, I think it's an awesome. It, it, it it's an awesome, awesome idea right. on how a person can respond to that. So when somebody, when I share how great Jesus is, and introduce him and tell all of the good news and his death and forgiveness and resurrection, and then their response is. Do I have to? I, I, I just that just really irks me. Hang on, one Here's last, a, hang on, Dad. One last break, then we'll wrap it up. Okay. This is not about baptism, but just so you'll know, eight hundred and ninety-six, nine hundred years before God became flesh, Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and raised from the dead. He spent forty days, and then he left. The apostles get up and they preach that. And when people respond to it, they're told to repent and be baptized. Start there. You say, well, is there any kind of story that explains this earning thing? When you're baptized, that means 
some people have labeled and told us, well, if you tell a person he needs to be baptized, he should be baptized. You ought to be baptized. You need to be baptized. They say, well, well y'all are on that too much. Here's a story. It's in 2 Kings 5. Naaman, he was commander of the army of the king of Aram. Read this carefully, and you'll understand what God means when he says, repent and be baptized. All those years later, he was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded, <clears throat> because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. Here's a guy named Naaman. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. He has a physical ailment, leprosy. Now, bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. She served Naaman's wife. She told her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of the leprosy. Well, that's what now, would now, save now him. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Some, this God can, can cure your leprosy mm-hmm. if you get a hold of that prophet. So look, Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I'll send you a letter to the I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking some money with him. Verse seven. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, when he got the letter saying, "Look, this guy wants to come to see you because he says if I can you get in touch with this prophet, that uh, he's going to cure my leprosy." Well, when the king of Israel heard it, he tore his robe. Am I God? Can I kill and bring back the life? Why does this fellow send one to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a fight with me. Watch, here comes the prophet. When Elisha, the man of God, that's the one the little girl said, if you can get a hold of him, he'll cure you of that leprosy, God will. So here comes Elisha. He heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes. He sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man, Naaman, he's got leprosy. Have him come to him and he'll know that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. He went to see the prophet. He's in his front yard. Watch. Elisha sent a messenger to him. In other words, you say, well, the prophet came out and, you know, he's going to make a big, long speech about how I'm going to cure this guy. No. He just told one of his hands, watch, go. He sent a messenger to tell the man who's got leprosy. He didn't even go personally. He said, go out there and tell him to wash, wash seven times in the Jordan River. Your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. Do what? I've got leprosy and here this messenger's coming from this so-called prophet, the one that the little girl said would heal me. God would heal me through the prophet. And he sent his hand, hired hand out here and told me to go wash seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman went away angry. He said, I'm not going to do that. Which would be the opposite of surrendering to the... Uh, Yeah. I thought that he would surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot. I thought he'd make a big show of this. What's this dip myself seven times in water? I mean, and it has to be the Jordan River. So watch what he says. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters in Israel? What's this crossing two rivers to get to another one? What? Now, what's well, he this? didn't like the plan. No. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, couldn't I be washed in these rivers here and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. He said, no, I'm not going to carry out the instructions. No, sir. 
Well, he's there. His body's leprosy all over him. He's like, he's arguing about what to do. And the prophet's already told him, go to the Jordan River, dip seven times. You'll be all right. He said, you're talking to me? Cross two rivers to get to another? It's all about faith and look and obedience, response to what the information was. But my point is still God is doing the curing. We're getting 100%. there. 100%. Naaman's servants well, went to him and said, my father, if the prophet <laughs> had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? <clears throat> How much more then when he tells you, the prophet said, wash and be cleansed. Well, maybe there's some kind of medicinal uh, properties in the Jordan River. I doubt it. You say, no, there wasn't nothing medicinal about the water. Maybe there's a regeneration that water causes. No, it's just H2O flowing down the side of the hill there. You said, no, none of that. That's a legitimate illustration. So what? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan, like he was told, seven times, not six. You said, what if he'd have said, look, what's this seven times going under the water, coming up, going under the water? I mean, one would do it. I mean, he said, they said, Father, what did the prophet say? He said, well, he said seven. He said, why don't you just do it and see? Well, he dipped himself seven times as the man of God had told him, carrying out instructions, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Here's the only reason I'm reading that. It's a story of God healing someone because of their faith in what they were told to do. But you have to carry out the instructions do what to get rid of this? If it would remove a physical ailment, you say, well, my it, point it could is, remove your sin. And that's why when they said, what do we do? Well, now we've got the prophet Elisha talking to old, talking to old, old Naaman. The prophet said, mm-hmm. go dip seven times. So he dipped himself seven times. What, what's this seven? But why, I think why people are going to hear you say that and say, well, it's all about say, faith, you, carrying out instructions. But I'm saying... Where the argument is coming out is because when they hear you say that, like when I hear you say that, they're they're immediately saying, well, you're saying your faith saves you, not the blood of Jesus. The instruction following saves you. Your faith in the blood of Jesus. What I'm saying is that explanation is where all the problems is coming. That's why I said his faith was actually. No, that's where all the solution is coming. His faith was actually surrendering to the will of what God laid out in the in the instruction. Because God did the healing. Because God, God did, did the healing. He- if you take God's healing power out, you're you're not going to be. That's the point of the story of Naaman. That's right. Well, I, I know, but I'm just saying the semantics of what, of what we say. So what if it had gone down in the closest river instead of the Jordan River? I think it's what a bad question, but I think it's an excellent question. <laughs> I think it's would he have been cleansed if he said, "Well, this river would do." But I why think go to that question one? is why the same question that people ask will say, "Well, do I have to be baptized to be saved?" I'm I'm looking, I'm reading, we're putting it all together. Would the the fact why don't, why don't we just do it? Do what he said and and, uh, yeah. and and quit quit saying, "Well, what if I'm driving to the baptistry and I have a heart attack on the way?" Well, that's the dumbest question you could ever come it is. up. You, it is. You're alive. You hear Jesus. And you say, well, you're what? on your way to the Jordan, but you didn't quite make it. <laughs> what if, what if don't base uh, your faith 
on hypothetical situations and try to put God in some kind of box. You know, the thief on the cross, you know what happened? He he realized who Jesus was, and you know what he did? He surrendered. And you say, well, he wasn't baptized. Well, he wasn't in a position to be baptized. He was hung up on a cross, fixed to die. And, you know, Hebrews 11 and 12 addressed that. What about all the people before Jesus' death and burial resurrection? They didn't understand Romans 6, and you could reenact it. My point was, though, the underlying factor of baptism was the same thing the thief on the cross had. He surrendered. Read. He surrendered hey. his will, his pride. So you got grace and the response to the gospel. Read Romans 6, Jace, while you got it, and we'll wrap no, it up with that. Well, we're, we're way let, over time. Let, let's, so yeah, your quick story was about 14 minutes. <laughs> this <laughs> podcast has turned into a mini-series. Yeah. Uh, so we'll pick it up next time. We're going to pick it up next time. We, we obviously didn't get to John 3, but we're going to. Well, we um, introduced it. We did. We introduced Oh, we got there. It. We got there. We talked a lot of, a lot of stuff. So anyway... Um, if you t- stay tuned, tune in next time. We're going to dive in a little bit deeper. So we're so glad you guys were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube or Facebook. And be sure and rate us on iTunes so that other people can know about the podcast.